On today's episode of the Bet the Process podcast, we'll be talking about what the committee did. If there's any futures value left uh, in teams like Alabama, we'll be going through the NFL, uh, picking our two Super Bowl teams right now. We will be featuring Rufus on Towder Sharp. Be interesting to see what we say there. And then we'll be talking about a bunch of uh, popular mainstream narratives about sports betting and why or why not they um, are true and not true. And we'll be trying to follow up on our 5-0 and week in the Super Contest with another 5-0 and week. So, uh, as always, the Bet the Process podcast is brought to you by the Sports Action app. It's the best way for sports bettors to track their bets, see live odds, and get great gambling analysis. As Barstool Big Cat says, Sports Action is the best app for the sports better, and it's not even close. And it's available for free on the App Store and Google Play. So with that, let's start the process. Episode 16 of the Bet the Process podcast. I'm Jeff Ma, joined by Rufus Peabody, Peabody who is in um, Bulgaria. Bulgaria, a place I never thought I would actually visit. Yeah, I wonder how many Americans could pick out Bulgaria on a map. I know I don't think I could, so um, I'll fit into the percentage that can't. Is there you know, still snow there? There, there's, you know, we got a few flurries yesterday and the day before. There was snow on the ground last week, but it, it melted. It rained away. But you know, if you'd asked me before, like this, cut this past year, if I thought I would die first before I came or go to Bulgaria first, I would have picked die. So you would have made die like uh, die would have been a favorite minus one fifty or something. Yeah, I mean, if you ask me right now, if you if I think I'll, you know, die before I go to Kazakhstan, I think die is a favorite. It's just a Kazakhstan country that just wasn't Bulgaria on are, I mean, Kazakhstan and Bulgaria are probably different in terms of uh, safety and whatnot. So, well, I know um, Kate has done like a conference in Kazakhstan. I mean, I've gone it's to quite a lovely country. I've gone, and they all are. I've gone to Pakistan. Pakistan's a lovely country, also. Saudi Arabia is lovely. The Middle East is generally lovely. I mean, it's one of my favorite places in the world. It's. Not a lot of people from the U.S. go to the Middle East, but yeah. I'm I'm heading there tomorrow. I'm heading to Israel, although apparently, like, Israel's not, not Israel's not, not the place different. to go this week. Israel's different than the sort of classic Middle East. You know, you if you go there, you have to be careful about getting your passport stamped if you ever want to go to any of the Arab countries. I've heard, I've heard, but my worry right now is is whether it's safe to go to Jerusalem given the whole Trump situation. So it should hopefully I, hopefully I make it. Well, no, he, what, uh, he wants to declare Jerusalem the capital of Israel or recognize it as the capital of Israel. And there, the State Department warns that there could be mass protests and violence and terrorism. So. All right. Time. Moving on. Let's move on to sports. Stick to hopefully sports. I'm here next week. Stick to sports. Uh, this week in futures, um, the committee has ruled and they have ruled against Ohio State. I guess, first off, what did you think of that? I mean, I, I guess it's pretty much what we had expected. And last week when we talked about there being value on Alabama futures, 
what played out is almost exactly what we thought would play out, right? It did. The favorites won every game. Oklahoma won, Ohio State won, Clemson won. And we made, Massey Peabody model made Alabama an 84% favorite to get selected over Ohio State, go uh, a Big Ten champ, Ohio State, going into last weekend. After the game, uh, which Ohio State squeaked by, that was up to 95%, which seemed to, like really, really high given the media narratives and how nobody knew what it was going to be. But, you know, I can't say I'm right or wrong because it was a probabilistic forecast, but I think it did play out the way we expected, yeah. Yeah, the media forecasts were particularly interesting to me because they had almost convinced me that it was going to be Ohio State, even though in my mind, it, it you know, like after Alabama got chosen, you got to hear what the committee said. It made sense, right? I mean, Alabama was was rated, you know, the one or two team almost all season. They ended up losing on the road to the team that was, you know, in the top, let's say, top five. Um, and for them to fall that much, um, it didn't really make sense. Um, and I think, no, like, I mean, go ahead. I guess you, you didn't know how much they would consider injuries, too, because Alabama is banged up and they do want to have the best teams there. I know they said I know people were speculating when their uh, Clemson quarterback got injured against Syracuse. that Maybe that wouldn't be that loss wouldn't be as much of a knock on them because of those, you know, circumstances. Yeah, Um I, I think it it's, you know, everyone kept saying on Twitter, like at least smarter people that, you know, how can you leave out the team that's going to be favored, would be favored against the field. Um, and it, I was interested to see, like, when that Alabama-Clemson line came out, if Alabama was indeed going to be favored over Clemson. Um, and um, indeed they are. Um, so the value here that, you know, like from your rankings um, – you're seeing some value. Um, it looks like still a little bit on Alabama at plus 190. Um, a lot, then, a lot on Alabama. Yeah, but then no real value sort of anywhere else. Um, um, Jeff, when you have when you have value on one team in a four-team <laughs> field and a lot of value on one, it's mathematically very unlikely that you're going to find value anywhere else. Uh, any value on any of the yes/nos? Well, yes, on Alabama, although you can just go ahead and bet them on the money line this week and next week. I'm not sure. depends on what you think, uh, how you think the field, or sorry, the, the market ranks Clemson relative to Georgia and Oklahoma. But So yes on Alabama, and I would say no on Clemson. So no on Clemson. No on Clemson. Is That's minus fine. 295, roughly minus 300. Um, going back to last week, the Alabama being plus 520 last week, what do you think the market slash odds makers were missing? You know, I think it's what we just talked about, committee uncertainty. And as I said before, we, we thought Alabama was 84% to get taken over a Big Ten champ, Ohio State. And, you know, I think the market obviously thought that number was all less. Or they thought that Ohio State was going to be a little more convincing in beating Wisconsin. And also, I mean, Al there were other ways that Alabama wouldn't get in. For example, if. Um... Well, okay, what I think we... I mean, I, I think if Wisconsin had beaten Ohio State. Right. That was that was, the simplest, a... that was the simplest way. But what was interesting is after. What was interesting is that after all those games played out. I think Alabama going into the selection 
morning were was plus 270 or plus 290 and they were favored over Ohio State by the mark betting market at that point. So the betting market I think realized or, or believed that they would get in over Ohio State. Um, where I don't know if the mainstream media did or not. I mean I, there were so many narratives at that point it was pretty it was pretty uh, pretty confusing. Um, it's true, but it came down to, I mean, they said they wanted the four best teams. And of course, they have a convoluted, you know, way of doing it because you can't really just say, I want the four best teams. You want the four best teams that are also legitimately deserving. You can't take like a three loss team, even if it is one of the top three teams, which isn't in this uh, particular case. But, but still, uh, but you yeah. in your ratings, I assume that Ohio State is still one of the top four teams. They're number two. So it was it was. But but I think that. The perception is that Alabama is significantly better than Ohio State, and I think they're they're, they're more, a field goal better than Ohio State. But I, I think the perception is that they're more than a field goal better. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that was someone asked me if Alabama and Ohio State were playing on a neutral. What would the what would the line be? And I was I said the line would probably be Alabama by three, roughly. That's what I think. I that's what it should be. I think it would be a little higher though. I really think it would be like I think it would be four and a half or five. Then there'd be value on Ohio State. Um, yeah, maybe. In terms of last week, um, Memphis. I assume that you got the seven and a half and didn't. Get I don't the think push so. Memphis. Oh, so you no, got? I think, the I, think I got a push there. Okay, so the seven and a half is only available pretty early, I assume, and you got the push there. I mean, I may. I, I don't know. I haven't actually looked, but I assume I have the seven. When that Ohio State line went down to four towards the end of the week, did you guys end up betting on Ohio State? What was what was it? What did it open at? It opened at five and a half, moved up to six and a half, and then by po- by game time, it actually went down to three and a half some places, I think. And I, well, that, I was perplexed by that line move. What do you, what do you think drove that line move, Jeff? Uh, people betting on Wisconsin. <laughs> no, uh-huh. I mean that, it's like that's like when people ask me like why. Is, a Twitter stock going up, and I'm like, oh, well, more buyers and sellers. No, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it was it was some money, rel- probably relatively sharp money on Wisconsin. Um, I don't know. I mean, I was I I really thought Ohio State was going to dominate, win and dominate that game, and if they hadn't given up those two early, you know, turnovers inside their own ten yard line, they probably I think would have run away with that game by you know, three, four touchdowns. Um, I'm not sure. I like I when line moves happen like that, I I'm afraid of them because I don't understand them at all. Like I don't understand where they're coming from or what I'm missing. Um, and I don't I didn't watch that game feeling like I understood the line move after watching that game either. The the it seemed like Ohio State was the much better team. Obviously they they struggled a little bit in the second half. I mean Maybe, you know, maybe it was just like Barrett's injury. Maybe people were believing that Barrett wasn't as healthy as people thought. And that was sort of what drove it down because Barrett didn't play great. I mean, Barrett left a ton of points on the table in the first half. And and I would argue that if, if Haskins had played, they would have won by more because I think he would have hit some of the throws. And at the did you watch the game, Rufus? I didn't, but I saw him come in in the fourth quarter. I guess it was the third quarter against Michigan and play really, really well. And I was yeah. sort of like, why would you want sort of a, a Barrett that's not at 100%? But Urban Meyer has a huge man crush on JT Barrett. 
He does. And even at, at the end of the second half, sorry, at the end of the first half, uh, Ohio State drove kind of the length of the field, ended up missing a field goal or getting a field goal blocked. But on that drive, there were so many opportunities that JT Barrett had to, to get touchdowns. And a touchdown there would have made that game 28-10. I would say that there wouldn't have been much of a chance of Wisconsin even coming through the back door at that point because Wisconsin would have needed to to pass a lot. And, and it, it, it just wasn't. I mean, again, like I don't, I don't understand that line move. It, the fact that it ended, the margin ended at six, was crazy to me. I mean, I didn't even and like the the crazy thing about it was, Urban Meyer goes for it on fourth and one at like what the fifteen or sixteen, and then doesn't go for it on fourth and one at like the three yard line or whatever he did. So I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't get these coaches sometimes. Yeah, I mean, they're. The decisions aren't the same because there's a different amount of time left, so the situation's a little different. But uh, I, I, the, I kind of agree. Distance, I think he should have gone for it the second time. The distance was longer, I think, the second time. Also, I mean, I I was actually in a car at that time, so I, I didn't see. You know, I was like following it on my phone. Um, so I'm not the best person to, to comment on that. But you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess in some respects I was happy because. I did have some Ohio State at minus four, so locking that in. I had some at minus six also, so I obviously wanted them to win by more than six. Um, anyways, uh, so did you don't you don't know if you ended up betting Ohio State or not? I'm not sure. I, I I highlighted it. I don't actually remember. There were you know there's a lot going on on a given weekend, but yeah. so for you though that line moving it moving from six to four is very different than if it had moved from like two and a half to four. You would have, is that what you're saying? Because you, you think that it's going to be, you assume that the money coming in, even on a game as big, high profile, and potentially more public as the Big Ten championship, you think the money coming in is going to be, the moving line is going to be sharp money? No, that's not what I'm saying. I, I just thought it was a weird line move, I guess. You know, if the money had moved to a favorite, um, in Ohio State, a team that had been undervalued by the market most of the year, um, and and the sort of the market would tended to move towards Ohio State often. Um, it it would have made it made a lot more sense to me. And even just, you know, we had thrown around lines for that game, and we believed that that line should have been much higher um, a couple of weeks ago. So I just it it didn't make a ton of sense to me. I guess is what I'm saying. And and anytime you get a uh, I guess you get money on an underdog like that. It it does it does feel sharper um, than money on a favorite going the other direction. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Although I would argue that the public money is the money that you think is going to be the dumb money. And so, obviously, I think I just said like one equals one. But in this case, I think Wisconsin was the more public team. And I think the public thinks Ohio State's a lot worse than they are. Ohio State is sort of the advanced metrics darling, if you will. Yeah, I mean, maybe that would have been the right way to look at it, and if that if I had been smart enough to look at it that way, maybe I wouldn't have been so scared of it, and I would have put a lot more on uh, Ohio State minus four. Okay, um, let's move on. Yeah, moving on to the NFL. Uh, any value in futures this week? Patriots. I like the chalk. I make the Patriots after their win last week a little bit less than a uh, minus or less than plus two hundred to win the uh, 
Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Plus one. Yeah, I was like, BCS, what is it? Plus 190, 189 is my number, actually, which seems incredibly short odds. But the AFC really is super weak. Yeah, Pittsburgh, bro. you know, struggled, to put it mildly, against Cincinnati. And, I mean, they got the win, and they're still 10-2. and two, But they're really the only threat in the AFC to New England right now. Yeah, New England's at plus 239, looking like the favorite to make it to the Super Bowl or the, uh, we'll call it the NFL championship game because we don't uh-huh. pay, we don't pay uh, royalties for, to use the word Super Bowl. Um, okay. Well, I, was, I was selling Super S-O-O-P, so I think I'm okay. That's a good the one. King Supers. There you go. Um, yeah. What team do you think is most overvalued by the market? I think without a doubt, the Chargers, they're a good team. I, I don't have them as a good as of blah, 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 blah. I don't think that they're as good as the market does. Um, and as you'll see later on in the show, I do not like them this week. But the market has them at 25 to 1, and I make them 211 to 1, which seems like incredibly uh, high odds for a team that is tied for the division lead in a weak conference. But... Kansas City still uh, is the favorite in the AFC West at this point. I make them 62%. They have three three of their four games are at home. And I think I still have them rated as a better team than the Chargers. So I have the Chargers as, as 25% to win. the. Yeah, it's the, the world has gone full circle on Kansas City now um, where we thought they were world beaters, what, 10 weeks ago, best team in the NFL to now where people don't even think they're going to win the, the, you know, they don't even think they could beat Cleveland at this point, right? They probably think that they'd be even with Cleveland on a neutral field or something. So Chargers, darling team right now. And it, it it's kind of funny, right? Because the records are the same regardless of how you got there. But now that the two teams got to there in two completely different ways, um, you have a, a narrative of one team obviously being in a much better position than the other team, even though the reality is they might might be the same. Yeah, I think you're never as you're never as good as your good weeks or as bad as your bad weeks. And yes, more recent uh, performance is more predictive than uh, more distant performance. But at the same time, um, this still is the same. These still the same teams by and large and so you can't just totally throw out weeks one through six yeah so if you had to bet two teams right now to be in the super bowl who would you bet i'll take the chalk actually the patriots and the eagles yeah i think that would be the same for me um i guess there's a lot of um in the nfc you have a little bit more you know a few more choices i suppose with Minnesota now getting a lot of um, credit and a lot of um, everyone likes that story of them being able to basically play at home the entire month of January. Um, and then obviously New England, New, New Orleans is playing pretty well. Also, the two headed monster running back. But I think I'm, I'm with you. I take the chalk New England and Philly. I like um, Carson Wentz and that Philly defense. The NFC is stacked, though. It really is. It's, I mean, I, I don't remember a year where there's such a marked difference between the two conferences in terms of team quality. Yeah, it's I mean, it's pr- pretty unreal. Like Seattle's like an afterthought now at this point. 
Yeah. Nobody's talking about like, you know, Carolina, they Carolina's eight and four and like flying completely under the radar. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. All right, let's move to this week in touts. Um, This week, our touter sharp is going to be Rufus Peabody. Kind of. Uh, You got a lot of crap again for, well, last week you were six and one in your Massey Peabody NFL picks. Congratulations. I I noticed that. Thanks. Thanks. They they were, they did really well. Where'd you know? How'd you know? Well, you tweeted it out. You tout. Uh, You uh, damn tout. Um, I I would give you crap too. That was a very touty tweet. You know, I, I was stirring the pot a little bit because I, I get I get all this crap from you know sort of the the Seville people that say, oh well, you know, you need to always post your lifetime records and all that, and because otherwise people are going to think that six and one is actually representative of how, of how good you actually are. And so I said, you know, of course that's not how good I actually am. That's like a lucky week and. You know, overall for the season, we're 59% and like 55.6% lifetime. And, you know, but am I not allowed to be happy that I went six and one, you know? Yeah. But I think like when you, it's funny because when you post something like that and people give you crap about being a tout, you, you actually get defensive about it. If you post something like that, you got to own it. You got to own that toutness. I mean, I think we said this like on this podcast really early on. We all have a little tout in us. Otherwise, why would we be like doing a podcast, um, you know, like promoting the podcast, talking about any of our we were five and oh last week in the super contest pick, which we'll which we'll cover um, soon. Yeah, we were five and oh. Nice. Yeah, we're we're probably two more five and oh weeks from being back in it. So that's fine. We just need to do a two five and oh the next two weeks. So we'll see if we can do that. Easy. Yeah. But, you know, I guess I guess I mean what I wanted to do was I I kind of wanted to see what reaction that tweet would. Um, I mean, how how did you like, not know what that reaction would oh, be? I, I knew it would be, but I felt like I had a leg to stand on there. I was like, okay, I'm doing the things you say I should be doing in a way. I'm I'm posting my lifetime record. I'm saying this isn't representative. I'm saying like, but you am realize, I not allowed to? No, but you do have, I have to be an emotionless robot the whole time? I'm not selling anything, you know. And I was kind yeah, of curious. Well, you I wanted are, to see though. what the logical. You're, you're selling. You're, okay, I'm selling myself, but just like a, just like any reporter that, or like Adam Schefter, if he breaks a news story, he's selling himself. Anybody's selling themselves, but that doesn't. You they, wouldn't call it tout. You you kind of would though. I mean, that's the whole that's the whole point. I mean, the Seville world, at least, that's the whole point is they don't like people marketing at all, like putting things up to market themselves or whatever, and and that's at the core of the whole. Like when we go back to the Dr. Bob argument, like he made this huge point that he doesn't actually market and all this kind of stuff. And every time I get a tweet from him or an email from him, which is a best bet or which was a free pick and all this kind of stuff, I want to like retweet it and go like, well, I don't know a lot about business, but this sure seems like marketing to me, but I don't need to stir the pot with him anymore. But the, the idea that like people don't market or don't tout themselves that every, everyone does. And like, you There's- know, the, 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 the key is yeah. truth in advertising, right? Like, and I think that's what you're getting into. It's like you you feel okay about it because there's truth in your advertising. I think that's fine, but you know, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with marketing. If you look at any successful company, no, obviously not. Marketing substantial is marketing budget and do a marketing yeah. themselves, right? But I guess I mean it has a very negative connotation with regards to the sports betting world because because of the touted behavior and selling, you know, because people are selling something that generally is complete like rubbish but in in this case i was you know 
I'm not actually selling anything. But yes, then the people are like, oh, you're selling your name. And I'm like, okay, sure, I am. But just like anybody in any other industry is selling their name and is not actually doing any harm by doing so. Yeah. That's all right. Let's move on. Um, talking about some narratives now and sort of Faderator this week in touts. Um, idea of laying double digits on an NFL favorite on an NFL favorite, you know, like if you listen to some of the popular, um, they'll say like, Oh, they'll take your wise guy card away. If you, you know, laid double digits and all that kind of stuff. Um, are there, are there certain bet types that are always the sharp side and others are always the square side? Well, obviously not. And I was reading the action network newsletter from Chad Millman, our, our good friend. Um, I think it was yesterday or the day before, and I, I'm going to read this uh, little passage. It's about how the Pats keep breaking two pressure-tested axioms for wise guys. Don't bet road favorites and don't bet double-digit favorites. New England covered as a 7.5-point road fave against the Bills on Sunday in a week 14. They're 12-point faves on the road against Miami. That is the biggest road favorite in nearly two seasons. The Pats have earned it. John Ewing ran his bet labs machine and discovered that since 2015, the Pats are 11 and eight against the spread as road faves, including the playoffs and nine and two as double digit favorites. That's something special folks, something uncanny for even the Patriots in their previous 11 seasons. They were 18 and 29 as double digit faves. My best guess for the recent success, there's something in the water. So Jeff, I'll ask you, what does this mean? If anything, um, that I should drink some of the water in new England. Maybe that will make me feel better. Um, no, it doesn't really mean much to me. It, it means that in relatively small sample sizes, the Patriots have performed um, differently or I don't know. It means nothing to me. I, I don't. Uh, again, like, you know, I like this quote that he ran his bet labs machine. What does that mean? He like queried a database. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly what it means. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's just, it's, it's silly. Um, I ran my computer machine to hook up the microphone to it for the podcast. I like went to Excel or I went to SQL and did a select star or select and whatever. Anyways, this I went nerd to the out Google machine. Yeah. I went to the Google machine. That's the Google machines better. We should talk about going to the Google machine all the time. <laughs> um, you know, no, I mean, I don't, I don't think it really means much at all. I mean, I think it means that the market, um, in many instances, um, is undervaluing potentially undervaluing these situations for the Patriots um, because of because of this sort of thinking or whatever. But I don't think it means much. What do you think it means? <laughs> well, I don't think it means much either. I don't think there's any paradigm shift. I think, I think it. Uh, Pats are 31 and 14 against the spread overall since 2015, and 16 and six against the spread as a home favorite. So there's nothing. I mean, they've overperformed in all situations, not just in one. But the, the one thing that I, the, the thing I was really focused on there is the, the pressure texted axioms for wise guys. Don't bet road favorites and don't bet double digit favorites. And, you know, I, I was just looking, I was looking at my, uh, my machine and road favorites are 49.97% against the spread since 2000, according to the lines I have. And, um, I did my best to like, filter out the the neutral field games, but there might be one or two in there that I didn't get out. But, um, and obviously <laughs> it's going to depend on what closing, like, you know, which book I'm taking closing lines from. So that could be different somewhere else. But basically road favorites in the last, you know, 
almost two decades or 50%. And same thing with double-digit favorites. So it's like, you know, I I know that road, or sorry, road favorites used to be the worst bet type. You could bet every home underdog in the 80s and blindly make a profit. You know, home, home underdogs are undervalued generally in every sport, but markets tend towards efficiency. And, and I don't, I think the whole idea that one bet type is like that laying double digits on a team is always the the public side and, and the sharps are always going to be on the double digit underdog like i was i was listening to the espn uh behind the bets is, it, is that the name of the behind the bets podcast the one you've uh, been on, on before <laughs> the one i was on i actually thought it was beyond the bets most of the like until like through half of my tenure at espn uh not behind the bets but Maybe that's why you're no longer with ESPN because you didn't even know the name of the shows. <laughs> um, but they, they were talking about how, oh, the, the wise guys are always on the Browns because they're double digit underdogs. And I'm like, I, I've been on the Browns once this season. Like it and just it's not like all sharps are the same either. There's going to be sharps on both sides of games and they'll be on on it at different numbers. I mean, if you you know, this Patriots game, it was like, what was it, um, against Miami a few weeks ago, it was a line of 16 and a half, and, and uh, I think, and, you know, you were on New and England. And I was on the Patriots, but, you know, if if you say, oh, a double-digit favorite is automatically uh, a square play, I mean, if those same Patriots were 11 and a half, everybody and every sharp in the world would, would be on the Patriots, as would every, like, recreational better. So, the real, you, I, I think it's... It, no, I'm trying to oversimplify something. It's this is what I was saying. It's like this narrative that mainstream media has to create because they don't have. And, and you know, again, like the problem that I think both of us had on ESPN is when you ask to give picks and justifications for picks, you can't just be like, well, that's what my, my model says, because <laughs> that's not like riveting television. Right. You've got to come up with, you know, things that support your bet. For me, I, I tended to try to use like non-traditional statistics or better underlying statistics like yards per play. And we can talk a little bit about we may have time to talk about that. We may not have time to talk about that this week. Um, do you want to move on to sort of uh, it, it sounds like you did a little tour of, of some of the uh, some of the podcasts. So you were listening to, to beating the book. Um, I, and- I did. I, I had a long flight and I wanted to uh, to sort of I, I wanted to be prepared for the pod for our pod this week. And so I was listening to the Beating the Book podcast uh, with Marco D'Angelo, Vegas runner, and Joe Fortenbaugh, hosted by Gil Alexander. And there was some interesting angles brought up by the panelists. And I kind of want to hear what your reaction is to these, Jeff. Mm-hmm. So, so playing a team twice, does performance in the first game have an impact? My guess would be no. Uh, my guess would be... If it did, it would be pretty hard to isolate that impact. Um, there's just so many factors or so many variables that you've got to control for to see if there's a predictive nature in something like that. So my my answer would be no. Am there's right? no revenge angle, huh? I mean, again, like I haven't done the work on this, but the work on it seems pretty challenging and tough um i don't know um i think isolating it would be challenging my guess is you've looked at this some or do you do you know or is there an answer to this question 
I did look earlier this week. Yeah, there's nothing really to it. If, if anything, it goes, I mean, there's nothing statistically significant or even really practically significant. But if anything, right. it's the team, if a team plays well against a team the first time they play, they may be a little more likely to play well the second time they play. But, um, but isn't that, I mean, that's just, well, but that's, again, that's noise. Like, that, that, I'm saying when I say nothing, I mean, or, like, there's, it's, just, there's just bias there, right? Because, you know, it's the, yeah, it's just noise. I mean, the, the thing that people have to understand when we say things like, oh, revenge isn't, we're saying like you, the numbers do not show you that there's any relevance to this, right? We're not saying that there isn't some sort of motivational thing that, that may play into some team's psyche every once in a while and may make them do better the second time or may have some, like, I agree that there's some psychological thing that plays in all sports that's challenging to quantify, but that's the whole point is it's, it's challenging to quantify. And the, the danger that you get into is that, especially like when you're on a podcast for an hour talking about games, like they are on that show, you have to like come up with these narratives that, that mean very little. Um, and so that, that would be my thought on that. I don't know how you feel. No, I agree. So, okay. so, okay. So, so the second one, um, Marco, uh, brought up this idea of teams getting more up for a rivalry game. So Pittsburgh is Cincy's biggest rival. So since he will get like, get up for that game, but Pitt plays their biggest rival, which is Baltimore next week. And then new England, which is like the marquee game of the year, uh, the week after that. So the narrative is that they won't be as motivated against Cincinnati. Well, that was true. Wasn't they, they didn't cover. So he yeah, was well, right. I, I was on Cincinnati too, but for a different reason. Yeah, so Marco won Rufus zero because Marco's smarter than Rufus. There we you go. You have a better reason. Yeah. Um, it's it's just so like it's so convoluted to think that way. And especially since like you know that Pitt gets up to play Cincy regardless. That those games are they're like a they're almost like a travesty for the NFL now. They've become so disgusting. I, ha- I saw so many people tweet about like saying like they don't even know if they can watch the NFL anymore because of the that that type of game where it's so brutal and clearly people are just like going out to injure each other. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, like this this idea, like anytime that you attach these narratives to, to things without any evidence of it mattering is is, you know, like the, that's the problem. Like and and. I, I try to call ourselves, call each. I try to call each us out when we do it on the show when we're talking about something. And I'm like, you know, well, we could actually probably do some research to see if that's true or not. Um, but the idea that, um, you know, that double revenge or teams like, how can you, how can Marco know so well what Pittsburgh's locker room is in terms of their actual biggest rival versus their second biggest rival versus their third? You know what I mean? It's like it's silly. It's very true. And I think the people that um, do talk about locker room stuff, um, unless like, you know, actually, when I was with ESPN on their podcast, Anita Marks was telling me that she was in the Jets locker room. Yeah, or it might told, have been Giants locker room. I told and, the story before. And, OK, fine. <laughs> but if you are like, you probably have some information that I don't have. And, you know. Yeah, I mean, it 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 again, the the, the thing with inside information is it's hard to know what to do with it. You know, I've gotten inside information on games before, and it's just hard to really know 
if these people know what they're saying that much, you know, like it, and if it really means as much as you think it means, like, I think sometimes you see weird line moves in games. And I think that those line moves do come from people knowing some sort of information that, you know, oftentimes about injuries or um, things that aren't in the mainstream media. Like there is like still every once in a while information asymmetry out there that doesn't have to do with analytics. Um, But, you know, something like this where you're just trying to suppose the actual motivation of a team like Pittsburgh and who they would rank as their top three rivals and where Cincinnati would fit into it. That's, that's crazy. It's crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, Remember when David, what went through my head when we're talking about inside information is that, you know, David Wells uh, admitting he was like drunk during his perfect game. Remember that? I bet someone, someone was like, Oh, I see David Wells out at the bar. Like the night before, you know, bet against him. And then he comes out and throws a perfect game. Yeah. Um, that, I don't, Exactly. <laughs> I was like thinking about like that in the lens of everything because, you know, you do, there are a lot of stories. There was like one story way back in the day when I think like the Trailblazers had stopped in Vegas on their way to playing the Lakers and they were seen in Vegas and like people were talking like about it because it was like the night before their game or something. Anyways, um, I think that did they cover. I don't think they did. I think they didn't cover. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is the narrative that the Warriors, whenever they go to L.A., they, they always go out like big the night before. And that's why they've gotten their ass kicked by the Lakers a couple times when the Lakers were terrible. So there is there is that also. Um, let's talk real quickly about one more sort of stat thing. Um, we were talking about um, metrics that I was using a fair amount back in the day, but the idea of uh, net yards per play. You always tell me like that. There's more to life than that. Um, what do you think the limitations of net yards per play as a metric are? Um, vast. I think <laughs> it's it, it's it's a it, it's a great statistic overall. It, as far as one statistic goes, it's probably the best one out there. I would think, but it treats every yard gained as equal. So a 90-yard touchdown pass where you know the defender falls down and the last 80 yards are run uncontested. I mean, is that really that much more predict is that really that predictive you know no i i I think a team that had a drive of like you know nine straight 10 yard gains i I would think that is more fundamental but that one team they average 10 yards of play rather than 90 yards of play but i would expect that team uh with the 10 yards of play to be a better team just based off that data alone so i think that basically it doesn't it, it overvalues big plays what I'm getting at and it undervalues in big plays. There's inherently more luck and more noise in that and the ability to get and stop those versus being able to sort of consistently gain uh, yardage and be successful in plays. That's a little bit more predictive and that's easier or more fundamental because it's, if you think about it, like um, it, well, it's something that you, you, you in effect have a larger sample size because you know, big plays are something that happen so rarely that and they can skew the data i don't know i don't i don't think i did a really great job explaining that but yeah i mean basically what you're saying is like you almost need to cap it and you need to introduce some element of play success in there um there you know it's it's probably better over longer sample sizes um just like any metric is so and also i think one of the things is that it doesn't take into account strength of schedule so it can certainly 
lie in certain situations. Um, but anyways, all right, let's move on from that. Let's well, wait, 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 wait. I thought we were talking about the statistic and not about the contextualization. I mean, because with any statistic, like play success or whatever you're using, I mean, you need to adjust for strength of schedule. You need to wait by situation. Um, there's a lot of processing that needs to go on. That's fa- that's fair. That's a fair that's a fair argument to my argument about the argument. Um, anyways, let's move on to man versus machine. Uh, let's okay. start up the machine. See how I did against the man last week. The machine. Let's see. I had San Francisco plus three. That was a winner. Atlanta minus three. That was a loser. Buffalo plus eight and a half. That uh, so I was one and three. The machine was three and one last week. Damn you. Machine, machine is like has a sizable lead now after falling behind early, right? Yeah, I think so. I'm just like a tout. I stop keeping records when I'm losing. Yeah. <laughs> True. Okay. Atlanta one and a half point dog hosting New Orleans. Machine makes it looks like basically a pick. Um, Machine is going to be on Atlanta. Ugh. Yeah, I'll be on Atlanta. Okay, Cincinnati minus six and a half against Chicago. Actually, it's down to six. Cincinnati minus six. Machine has it minus ten. Machine is on Cincinnati again. That's got to be people thinking that since he's going to be down after that, blowing that game. Are you sure Chicago's not going to be more motivated because they're playing another team with a C in their name? I think Chicago is going to be more motivated because they ate Skyline Chili in Cincinnati, which is delicious. (laughs) Okay, skipping Indy Buffalo. uh, We'll move on to Seattle Jacksonville, where Jacksonville is a... I guess we'll call it two and a half, two and a half point favorite. Uh, Seattle. So machine makes Seattle a one point favorite. Machines on Seattle. Um, let me see here. So machine is yeah. I like Seattle also. Kansas City minus four. Oakland machine has it seven and a half. Machines on Kansas City. I like Kansas City. Carolina plus two and a half or three. I'm not sure. This is another like plus 2.75 type game yeah. uh, against Minnesota. And yeah. I, I make it a uh, half a point. Uh, Minnesota yeah. half a oh, point favorite. So I like Carolina. Carolina. I like Carolina a lot. I love Carolina there. Okay. That is that is going to be a, that's going to be in the super contest picks for us. Green Bay minus three at Cleveland. I have it uh, right around there. Three and a half. So. On to the next. Houston. Minus, I mean, all these minus two and a half to minus three lines here. Houston minus two and a half to minus three um, against San Francisco. And I make this minus eight. So I'm all over Houston. Machine is. You're not valuing the Jimmy G factor. I am valuing the Jimmy G factor. What did he do? Put up 12 points, 15 points? 15. Five field goals. 15. Five field goals. Five, five field goals to get you 15 points every week. Um, yeah, I, I like Houston there also. Okay. That line seems short. I agree. There's a lot of value this week. The Chargers are a six 
Patrick's favorite hosting Washington. The Chargers Machine are is on the Redskins. Six point. Sorry, Machine is on the Redskins. Yeah, Machine is on the Redskins. I'll also be on the Redskins. Denver is a one and a half. One. Well, eh, what is this even? It's basically a pick here against the Jets. Machine has Denver minus one and a half. Machine's on Denver. Ugh. Puke, I'll also puke, be on puke. Denver. What's the narrative there? They've they've lost and failed to cover in either eight straight games or nine straight games. Is that right? It's a mess, man. Denver is a mess. They have been a mess. Will they continue to be a mess? Is it predictive? We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Stay we'll tuned see. next week. Tennessee minus three at at Arizona. Machine makes it three. No value there. Philly, a two and a half point dog at the Rams. Machine makes Philly actually a one point favorite. Machine is on Philly. You hate the Rams. Just you just hate. I them. do. I do. I normally hate Philly too. So, well, not um, hate, but filter to the market. Yeah, I'll be with you on Philly. I don't have a disagreement yet. Not a single one, huh? Okay, mm-hmm. Giants are a four-and-a-half-point dog hosting the Cowboys. Eli Manning starting again. I make them a half-a-point dog, so... Uh, yeah. I like the yeah, Giants. Giants. I like okay. the Giants there. Um, Pittsburgh, a five-point favorite. I make them five. New England, an 11-point favorite. Against Miami, I make them 12-and-a-half, so I'll take New England. Here comes the disagreement, right? Uh, and but I, I'm not factoring it. Machine does not know Gronk's injured. That's the problem there. That's got to be worth like half a point at least. Yeah, I'll take Miami, I guess. So that M- would be machine's our, in a disadvantage. disadvantage. Yeah, that's I take advantage you're, of that disadvantage. You're, you're taking advantage of machine's limitations. How do you feel? I feel like that's what I should be doing as a man. It's true. That's uh, it. That's it. All right. Super contest time. Super contest picks. Um, I think for sure we should take Carolina. I'm guessing you want to take the Giants. You would be correct, sir. Uh, Although Carolina, I don't like Carolina as much as you do. But so okay, so who picks first? Let's let's uh let's keep some order here. Okay, I pick first. I take Carolina. I pick first. I take Cincinnati. Cincinnati. I know, I know you wouldn't like that one. Yeah, that's why you should save that. Uh, Cincinnati minus six. Um, let's see here. Actually, I mean, I, I'm more doing that to. Yeah. To do what? I don't know. To 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 have revenge for you picking a kind of marginal one, <laughs> one that's marginal to me. I'm gonna take Seattle plus three. Okay, I like that one. Houston. You got to take Houston. And then we'll take the Giants as the last one. Yeah. And actually, you know what? I'm okay with subbing out the Cincinnati one. You know, I, I just. Uh, yeah. Well, who uh, would you sub them for? Let's put the Redskins in there instead. Or Philly. Which one? Uh, there's just there's too many choices. There's a wealth of options this week. <laughs> let's do Washington plus six. That seems good. Okay. Though all the, a lot of these lines have gotten worse. Worse I feel like, or better? 
worse for if I'm betting it now, better for if I already bet it. Did you already bet it? No comment. Okay. Well, that's why I think we know why they got worse then. Uh, all right. It, that's not that's not me moving NFL markets. That's just the fact that it's the sharp side. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thanks again this week for so we we're going with Carolina plus the two and a half, Washington plus six, Seattle plus the three, Houston minus three, and the Giants plus the four and a half. So thanks for listening as always. Um, we'll talk to you again next week. Uh, will you still be in Bulgaria next week? Next week I'll be on the move. Actually, I, I think when's when we record I'll be in Budapest. All right. Look forward so, to hearing about that. Are you in San Francisco, Jeff? I will be in San Francisco. Boring San Francisco. So warmer than here, San Francisco. Yeah, exactly. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Mm-hmm.